Okay. Mala Yom Kippurei Erev Yom Kippur. So, I just want to start off with a question. Curious what your thoughts are, and then we'll jump into sources. And the question is, okay, as we're going to see in the sources in just a second, this is not a chiddush. We ask for forgiveness for slich and mechila before Yom Kippur, in advance of Yom Kippur. We know this. Question is that I want to start with: Should you say, should you apologize to someone for injuring them or harming them in some way, if they don't know that you did it? And if you told them that you did it, it would hurt them more. Like they're blissfully ignorant. Say like, I don't know, one example was uh, that someone came up with, because I was trying to think, like what's a good example of that? I don't know. You blocked someone from a job. You gave a bad job um, recommendation. So the guy didn't get the job. You didn't, yeah, you didn't get along with your colleague. Should you apologize to that person in advance of Yom Kippur, or in general, like whatever, should you apologize if it's only going to hurt them more? They don't know. What do you think? No. Don't apologize. No. It's, it's going to only hurt them. They think you're your friend. Apologize to Hashem, but not to them. Uh-huh. Oh. So you say no. You say no. Yes. There's a, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter had a question about this. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Not Narsha at all. What do you think, David? Should you apologize for something that you've, you've wronged someone? No. No. Well, in your situation where I think... I don't know, we could construct other situations. Yeah, you blocked someone from a job, from a promotion. But you might have had... Good reason. Good reason to do Legitimate reason and sometimes... Let's say you didn't. Let's say you, you, you gave one and, and, and you were really being vindictive because the guy just annoyed you. They wouldn't know about it. They wouldn't know about it. That's what I'm asking. Should you apologize for something and hurt someone through the apology? That's one of the questions that I just want to pose to you as we look through some sources. But come back to that question. Okay. Source number one. Darash Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. The Pasuk says, Mikol chatotechem lifnei Hashem titaru. From all of your sins before Hashem you shall be purified. All Averos between you and God, Yom Kippur, atones. But Averos ben Adam lechavero ein Yom Kippur mechaper ad shiratzes chavero. Yom Kippur might very well be a great and important and sacred day of forgiveness for any Averos that we transgress against God. But it's not a magic bullet when it comes to forgiveness for any transgressions that we've committed against fellow man. That would only work if you first, first you ask for forgiveness and appease the person whom you harmed. How do you get that from the Pasuk? How does the Pasuk say that? See, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, so. I, maybe you're saying what I'm saying, but it took me a second to figure it out, but I'm pretty sure the drasha is Mikol Chatosechem Lifnei Hashem. The Chatosech, right? The sins Lifnei Hashem Titaru on Yom Kippur. I think. I think that's the drasha. But sins that are not Lifnei Hashem, the sins that are Lifnei Adam, that's not automatic Tahara. That's not automatic forgiveness. Don't we say that every yeah, ah, so there's all, yeah, correct, correct. But clearly, even so, in a simplified manner, there's still, I think this, this drasha is, is assuming a binary. Okay, so it quotes that Pasuk. Where else do you find forgiveness in Torah? 
So if you take a look in source number two, another, so that's one, so one source is from Yom Kippur about asking for forgiveness from one another. That's something, by the way, it seems to be related to Yom Kippur. It seems to be Yom Kippur related. Source number two. So this is a whole complaint. B'nai Yisrael and Bamidbar love complaining against God, against Moshe, um, for taking them out of Egypt just to die in the desert. So Hashem sends these uh, snakes, these scorpions to attack them. And there's a tremendous amount of death in Israel. And uh, so they get punished. So, so B'nai Israel sin against Moshe. They rebel against Moshe. They complain to Moshe. They complain to God. They wish they went back to Egypt to get punished. We have sinned. Both to God and to you, Moshe. Please, his Hashem, daven for us. And get rid of all these snakes, these scorpions that are attacking us, these serpents. So Rashi there, in the, on the Parshan, source number three says, Mikan, The fact that Moshe prays for the people after they just rebelled against him, Nidavins, means that you should not be an achzari. You should not be cruel. You should be a forgiving person like Moshe. Do they ask for forgiveness? Do they ask, does Ben Israel ask Moshe Rabbeinu for slichu mechila? So that's the question. Some want to read this and say, yeah, maybe they did. Maybe it wasn't exactly explicit. Maybe it wasn't explicit exactly. They don't ask for slicha mechila. They don't. Maybe it's implicit. Maybe the Torah doesn't record it. They do say chatanu. They do say we've sinned. There's a confession, but there isn't a direct apology. But they do ask Moshe to daven. I guess that raises another big question. I asked you one at the beginning of this year about apologizing to someone that they don't know that you've harmed them. But uh, must apologies be articulated? We know Vidoy does. Confession, you have to confess, right? Like you have to actually confess. And we do it. We're going to do it throughout Erev Yom Kippur. We're going to do it on Yom Kippur. We actually go through the verbal process articulating sin by sin. Do you have to do the same for your apologies? You have to say the words, I'm sorry, can to fulfill the mitzvah. Can you send a text? Can you send a text? What if you just, what if relationships, I mean, you all have relationships that get repaired without the conversation. Do you need to have the conversation to fulfill slicha umechila? Maybe we'll examine that tonight too. I have a story about that as well. We'll see if we got there. Here it might be not. I mean, maybe it's that, I, I'm just suggesting that maybe B'nai Yisrael's asking of Moshe to daven to Hashem is their way of apologizing without apologizing. Implicit. 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 Which makes it easier. Because sometimes it's hard to have hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's okay. Meaning Rashi uses this as a source for forgiveness. And yet the actual apology isn't quite present. And I just want to highlight that that it's, the apology isn't quite present. Even, and by the way, that maybe we could also flip the lesson that way. Maybe, right, offering forgiveness when the apology doesn't come. Moshe, right? Being mochel, Being mochel offering mechila without the apology. 
Maybe that's part of what Moshe is teaching us. Take a look at source number four. Afa pishu who knows saying lo, so this is an interesting Gemara in Bavakamo. Very different, very different context here. The context here is if you cause damage uh, to someone else, right? If I injure someone, I, they, I have incurred some kind of liability. I hit their car in a traffic accident. I owe someone $1,500 for, for whatever, insurance, whatever. Fine, I, whatever it is. I owe them money, so I pay them back. Are we settled? If I pay them back the damages, are we settled? You would think yes. You ask yeah, someone. You have to ask them. So the, that's what the Gemara in Bavakama, which is all about civil law, it's all about tort law, it's like that's not enough. That's not enough. Afa Pishu, I will read it again, source number four. Afa Pishu, who knows saying low? Ain nimchalo menu. You have to ask. You have to repair the relationship and not just throw money at the solution. That's... Well, yeah, if a Jew gets into an accident with another Jew, let's say, right? You'd hope. But you might say that, you know, you have a lot of angry drivers. You have a lot of people in the accident and it's not so amicable at all. And they're yelling and they're screaming and they're yelling and they're screaming. Hey, fine. And the money finally transfers. Okay? Everything gets settled. Insurance companies, whatever it is, it all gets settled. Is that enough? Before Yom Kippur, can you say like, I'm good? Or when you got the guys, like, uh, you know, when you traded driver's licenses and information, maybe, maybe you do call up that person that you hit and be like, yeah, okay, no, no. I'm just, we're playing out scenarios here. Here the, here the Gemara says, it's, not, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. But that's not damage. I'm saying business deals are business deals. I'm talking about, this is, a, this, is a, this is a case of damage. You're paying someone back for damage. It's not enough. Money's not enough. An apology is necessary. Okay. Take a look at source number five. And this goes to Neil's question from before. When the Shulchan Aruch talks about the halachos of apologizing, appeasing someone, the title, and this Rabbi Arya Leibowitz pointed out, um, in a shear that I listened to in preparation for this, he pointed this out. Bach apparently says this, that the title page, like the title, like the byline, is actually authored by Rav Yosef Karo himself. It's not just that he authored like the halacha, even what I just have here, which is the, the title before the seifim with all the different halacha. So it says like this, this simon in Shulchan Aruch, orachayim tof reish vav, okay? She right? She pais adam chavero, a person should appease his friend, should ask an apology for a friend. But Erev Yom Kippur. On Erev Yom Kippur, there's a halacha, Barry, not just to eat, but to ask for forgiveness. A din of Erev Yom Kippur. Does that mean you should wait? Does that mean you should wait? That's the question. Does that mean you should wait? You'd think not. You'd think not. So let's assume that no. Whenever you harm someone, when you ever, ever have an opportunity... Yes, for Slichen Mechila. So then the question is, why did Rav Yosef Karo, who wrote that line, actually put it into and formulated it as a mitzvah incumbent on Erev Yom Kippurim? Any answers to that question? Oh, meaning like. Oh, you didn't do it before, then it's time to do it. And then you're talking about the Gemara, right? Meaning. 
This is the perfect time to do it. Why is it the perfect time to do it? Because we saw in source number one, we saw the Gemara that says that you're not going to get the kapara that you keep. You could say, Hashem, Hashem, Kelrach, Lechanan a thousand times. You could dive in the greatest Ne'ilah. But if, but if you didn't do the Ben Adam Lechavera work in preparation, this is a perfect time for it. It doesn't mean you don't ask for a Slich and Mechila in any other time of the year, but it's a perfect time to do it. And that's what the Mishnah Brewer says. I think I put the Mishnah Brewer on. So, so interesting. So I, I got to tell you, I, I appreciate that, you, that you're pointing out the language here. I pay, I've paid no attention to that. So I wonder what you want to make of it. The Gemara in source number one says, Ad shi ratze as chavero. Yeratze, ritzoy, means to appease. I would have translated with the same English word. To appease, ritzoy. When you were trying to, when kor, a korban is ritzoy to Hashem. Which means like, you bring a korban and you try to satisfy God. You want to appease God. That's what ritzoy is. So you have to appease your friend. I don't, so, so what do you, so I think, I think if I have to get Lathias to me seems to be the same. It's in a higher level, I'm just asking for nothing. If I ask me, the person has to be satisfied. Find favor. Uh huh. Right. Right. See, but I don't think so. No. The reason why I don't think so is because the halacha is, is let's say the guy doesn't forgive. After three times. Right? After three times, you still fulfilled yeah, the mitzvah. Yeah, I, I, so it's not dependent on the other guy. If I want to fulfill my obligation of apologizing, of slich, mechiloi, ritzoi, right, lefayes, if you want to do, however, whatever formulation you want to go to, the end of the day, if I apologize, and I apologize again, and I apologize three times... I've done what I've done. At some point, Ad Khan, how much more do you have to apologize for something? So the Gemara gives you the answer. The Halacha gives you an answer. Three. Yes. Okay. 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 So, so, so the Mishnah Bura makes, makes your comment. Even though you should always, you shouldn't be waiting. Of course you shouldn't be waiting for Erev Yom Kippur to uh, repair relationships. If you don't find the opportunity, if you, didn't, if you called and, and they didn't pick up, you didn't find them, you didn't, whatever, you knocked on the door, they weren't home, there's always tomorrow. There's always the next day. There's always the next day. But where's the hard deadline? The hard deadline is Yom Kippur. That's the way the Mishnah Brewer. Up to Yom Kippur. Meaning you do it on Erev Yom Kippur. Oh, on, uh, you're saying on Yom Kippur? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, but that's the point. The point is, is that Yom Kippur is Yom Adin. That's the day that uh, you're not going to get your own kapara unless you do that. But here, I, I want to challenge this notion a little bit. Let's go back to source number six. It's a Gemara. A famous Gemara. It's a nice story. Source number six, a Gemara in Yoma. There are a series of stories about this. And this is really, I think that the... I forget exactly how Rabbi Freundlich framed the series that we're doing. This is part of like the series of, of narratives. Tales of Tshuva, different tales. So we've done Rosh Hashanah, pre-Rosh Hashanah stuff. This is Tales of Tshuva. So here's where the Agadita comes in. Different stories that happen on Erev Yom Kippur. It's actually kind of fascinating. I, I put in a search 
on Barilan where it has all of the Gemaras, and I just typed in the words Ma'ala Yoma de Kippure, and it popped up a lot of interesting stories. There's a, there's a whole set of stories that take place in the Gemara between rabbis on Erev Yom Kippur. It's like a literary genre, subgenre within the Gemara itself. So I have some of them for you here. Look at source number six. It relates to our, our discussion. Rav have a sidra kami de Rebbe. So Rav was giving a lecture before Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Ayel Asa Rabbi Chiyah. And Rabbi Chiyah comes in a little bit late to the shir. And Hadr Laresha. And out of respect for Rabbi Chiyah, so Rav goes back to the beginning of the shir. Ayel Bar Kapara. Bar Kapara comes in a few minutes later, or I don't know, a half hour later, an hour later. I don't know how long. It doesn't tell you how long. Rav's in the middle, but he now sees another esteemed colleague, Bar Kapara, walking in. And what does he do? Other Laresha, he starts the shear again. I would not want to be in attendance at this shear that he keeps starting again and again and again. But that's what he does. Asrib Shimon Berebi, Hadr Laresha. Three different colleagues walk in at three different times. And out of respect for each of his colleagues, he starts the shear from the very beginning. Asr Rebbe Chanina Barchama. Now a fourth colleague comes in to the middle of this shear. Amar Kule, hi, Ned, Darvinazel. How many times can I go back? I already restarted. I already forgot. How many did we say? Three? He already restarted the shear three times. I'm going to do it a fourth. Lo Hadar. He just keeps going at that point in the shear. Ikbid Rabbi Chanino. Rabbi Chanino is very upset. So Azorav, Lagabe, Tlesar, Ma'ale, Yoma, Dikipure. Rav goes to Rabbi Chanino to appease him, to apologize to him. Every Erev Yom Kippur for Erev Yom Kippur. That's our theme tonight. Every Erev Yom Kippur for 13 years. The low Ipayes. And every single year for 13 years, he says, go away. I'm not interested. That's a strange story. That's a strange story. Anyone want to ask questions on that before we keep reading? What he did wrong, well, I'll tell you, I don't know, I don't know, the, I'll, I'll rephrase your question. Why was he insulted? He was insulted because he didn't stop. He didn't return, he didn't start over. And he stopped for everybody else. He felt, he felt ashamed, he felt embarrassed that he didn't go back. Everyone else got to got turn back and, and he didn't. He's giving a sheer. Every colleague comes in a little bit late, a little bit late, keeps restarting for out of kavod, out of kavod, and then one guy, Reb Chanina, comes in, he doesn't stop, he keeps going. Reb Chanina is sitting in there in the middle, he doesn't start for him, he doesn't restart the shear, and he gets upset. And every year, Rav goes to apologize, every Erev Yom Kippur, and he keeps saying, no, 13 years. So what kind of questions do you have on this story? Maybe he found that afterwards. Maybe he found it afterwards. And maybe even if he didn't. Why didn't I? Said, but uh, that's what it sounds like. We just said you're supposed to go three times. So said, oh, so that's one question. Great, good. We just said that you, you're supposed to do three times. So why is Rob going more than three times? And then what? Good, good, good. One, why does, why does he go more than three? Why does he wait every era of Yom Kippur? Excellent. Anything else? That, that sounds good to me. So let's see. Right after the bold depart in source number six. So first the Gemara asks your question of 
What do you mean? Vaha Amar Rabbi Yosi Barachanina, Kolam Avakesh Matum and Chaveru Al Ivakesh Mani Yosir Mishalash Pamim. You really shouldn't ask more than three times. This question is on Rav. They're asking, why would Rav keep going back and back and back? He's an Achzari. He's cruel. He doesn't do it. And it sounds like he shouldn't do it more than three times. So the Gemara's answer is cryptic. Rav Shani. Rav is different. What does that mean? Rav Shani. Rav is different. He's above the law? Like, what does that mean? Rav Shani. So Rashi on the daf says Rav Shani means he's going lift Neimishurah Sadin. He's going more. Which is a little bit strange because the formulation of the Gemara is you should not ask for more than three. And it seems like it's violating it. It sounds like the way Rashi's reading this is that it's more like you don't have to continue to ask for forgiveness three times. But if you want to, if you want to keep trying to repair, you want to keep trying to repair, that's a big, that's a big question. Right? This is raising, again, just like talk about like the big ideas that emerge from the, these kinds of gemaras. The big idea here is, is there a time where you, where you give up on a relationship? At what point do you stop? At what point do you say continuing to reach out is actually pushing away more? It's for the benefit of the one who's reaching out to because Rab Shani means that normal people after three times, the person who doesn't forgive said, I'm sorry. But with Rab, since he was different, that the person who's doing the forgiving also different in the sense that he had more of an opportunity not to be an Azari as well. Uh-huh. The fact that Rav was so great, more times, more opportunity, he could soften his heart, Rabbi Chanina, and find it within him to forgive himself. My question is, Ah, because sometimes you do, right? There's a halacha about that, that right. if, you, if you won't do it himself, maybe you send an intermediary. There are a lot of interesting psychological dynamics that are play out in the halacha about, like, how do you try to repair a relationship? That's what this season's and about. you see A, B, and C are not working. Right, but he keeps going back, doing the same no, thing. He himself goes back. Good. Good. Why sending a clear? Well, some, sometimes... I think what Neil's suggesting is that sometimes relationships require or repair, sometimes need some kind of mediator. So, Rav Shani. Rav is different. Whatever that means. Rav wants to go Lefnei Meshura Sadin. Rav wants to, uh, to ask for more time. He's not giving up on this relationship. And now the Gemara asks the other question. Rabbi Chanina. Hechi Avid Hachi. I don't think you guys asked this question. Why does Rabbi Chanina continue to... Oh, we asked that question. Good. Why does he continue to be an Achzari? Why is he not forgiving him? That's strange. This is Rabbi Chanino. Very, very strange conclusion of this Gemara. Oh, first this. And this is part of the question. This is just an awesome and important insight this time of year as well. Meaning part of the question is, how could Rabbi Hanina not forgive? We know that people that forgive, that don't stand on ceremony, that don't stand on their own midos, that, that, that allow themselves and humble themselves before others, allow people to insult them and not take it so personally and are humble enough to forgive, if, if we give people the benefit of the doubt, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give us the benefit of the doubt. Like that's like one of the best segulas of Yom Kippur. If we forgive others... Kaddish Baruch, who is more likely to forgive us, right? That's part of the dynamic and, 
and the relationships between Ben Adam managing Ben Adam Lechavero, managing Ben Adam Lamakom. If we do the Ben Adam Lechavero, Kaddish Baruch looks down upon us. So what, what's he doing? Why is Rabbi Chanina such an achzari, so cruel, unforgiving? Here's the answer that the Gemara gives. Ella, Rabbi Chanina, Chalma Chazile Lerav, Dezakvua Bedikla. He had a dream, Rabbi Chanina. He had a dream that Rav was, I don't know, something with a date tree. What was he doing? What was Rav doing? What does the English say? Hanging from a date tree? I don't know what that means. Was it, but it like, meaning from his death? What does it mean hanging from his death? I'm not clear what that part is. Being hung? Right? Zakaf is like to be upright. No, but well, that's, this is the this is like the uh, pre-Freudian rabbinic dream interpretation theory that like different dream images, uh, like kind of right. There's all these different things. So here, someone hanging from a date tree, right? Gemirin dekodes like vubedikla reisha will become a head, will become a rosh, a head, head of a yeshiva. Okay. Again, but I, I'm, I'm just questioning that I'm not sure from the language of the, like the Aramaic language, I'm not exactly sure what the image we're supposed to be thinking about in terms of Rav and the palm tree. That's all. I'm not sure. Whatever it is, he knows there's a, this, port, he's portent, like there's this dream image of, uh, of Rav hanging in some form onto this day tree, and he knows that Rav's going to be the head. So Amar, he says to himself, Shmamina ba'ilamabid rushusa v'loi payes. Fascinating explanation. Rabbi Hanina, according to the Gemara, does not forgive Rav because Rabbi Hanina is the head of the yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. He's the head of the yeshiva and he had this dream that Rav is going to be the head of the yeshiva. And he knows that you can't have two Rosh yeshiva. So the only way, yeah, right, ancient name right, you can't have two authorities and powers. There's only got to be one. There's only one Rosh yeshiva. So he says, wait a second, if I forgive Rav, he's going to stick around town, he's going to be here, and, and either he's going to take over for me, thank you. he's going to take over for me, or I'm going to die young, I don't know what it is, but Rav's going to stick around. If I don't forgive him, maybe Rav will move away, does he? Yes, he goes to Bavel, and he could become the Rosh Hashiva there, and I can maintain my position here. He's afraid of his own death, according to some of Farshim, so he doesn't forgive. It's a strange story. This is a strange story. Any interpretations? Anything? Any? Anything to say about this? I don't know. But Rabbi Chanina refuses. It's like it's like interesting. They're trying, the Gemara wants to figure out why the righteous Rabbi Chanina would be such an achzari, and the answer doesn't seem so satisfying. Here's one thing I want to I want to point out, and the one question that we didn't ask. So I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. No pun intended. I'm going to leave that hanging. I, like what exactly? What we? How do we explain the Rebbe Chanina's refusal? 
We know why. Okay, Rav is different, so he keeps apologizing. Rabbi Chanina is afraid of his own mortality, afraid of his own death, so he doesn't forgive, not because he's an Achzari, but because he still wants to be alive. The question is, why does he only go in Erev Yom Kippur? He only goes every Erev Yom Kippur. Why not the rest of the year? I know. So, so here's an answer. And this might also answer um, the question of... It might be. It's season four. What do you mean? It's the season four. It's the season four. Right, which is, right, which is what the mission... So I want to tell you a chakira that I heard from Rabbi Leibowitz on this that he quoted from a Rabbi Hartman, the Rabbi Hartman that wrote the footnotes in the Maharal. Um, so... He says that there might be two kinds of slicha and mechila, two kinds of asking for forgiveness. And maybe there's a kind of asking for forgiveness that we have to think about all year. And then there's a different kind of asking for forgiveness that's specific to Erev Yom Kippur. This is his theory. I'm not saying we have to buy it, but I'm just offering the theory because I think it's thought-provoking. And it's based on a taz. The taz is in source number... No, it's in a tour. Source number eight. On this Hilchos Yom Kippurim, in the Halachos of Yom Kippur, about apologizing, so he says like this, why should one apologize? What's the purpose? What's the purpose of an apology? The osin ken kedeshi he lev kol Yisrael shalim, kol echadim chavero. There needs to be brotherly love and fraternity. There shouldn't be room for the satan, for the accuser, our accuser in Yom Kippur, to see all the contentiousness in our community and to use that as evidence against us. We need to feel the brotherly love of one another and entering Yom Kippur. That's the reason and purpose of forgiveness. That's not what I would have said. I should have asked you, what's the purpose of forgiveness? Shavuos, right. You have to, be, you have to come together. Shavuos is Matan Torah. This is the second Matan Torah. This is the second one. Good. Unity. Brotherly love. We should all come on Yom Kippur and see the person next to you. Rabbi Freundlich spoke beautifully on the, on the first night of Rosh Hashanah about, right, Ze'el, Zev, Yamar. We have to look at each other. We have to have a kind of a beautiful unity together. I would have said, why should you... Apologize because when you wrong someone, you need to apologize. Just like when you get into a car accident, you have to pay and you have to apologize. You want to get rid of the sin. You want to apologize. So that could be the chakira. The chakira is, is that throughout the year, of course, there's slich and mechila. You always have to ask forgiveness. When you've wronged someone, you have to compensate with money if there's a damage, with an apology if it's hurt feelings. One second, one second, one second. If you have to... When they, when, they, when they cool down a little bit, once they cool down a little bit, you, you apologize. You want to make right. Whatever you've wronged, you want to make right. That's the simple understanding of forgiveness. But then there's the Yom Kippur forgiveness. The Yom Kippur forgiveness is the Yom Kippur forgiveness of, I just want peace. So what's a nafkamina? What's a practical difference between these two? The question that I started with. Should you apologize for something when you wronged somebody, you really hurt somebody, but they have no clue that you hurt them and it might cause them more pain. I would argue, or I would, not a, I'm arguing, Rabbi Hartman argues, and I'm just presenting this idea, that throughout the year, at some point, you should. You should apologize. If you've wronged someone, you owe it to them. 
Even you've damaged them. Even if they don't know. Even if they don't know. You've done, you've done something wrong to someone, you should confess. Vidoy. You confess to God about sins, you have to confess to another person about their sins. You've wronged them, you have to do that. You should. And you may do more damage by saying it than he may not. It's no, true. It's true. It's true. And that, that I'm not poskening the Shiloh right now. But there's a side. There's a side that sometimes, maybe not every time, maybe you still have to weigh things in the balance. We have to still be emotionally intelligent about the matter. But there's a sense in which just because someone doesn't know you hurt them doesn't mean that you're off the hook. Right. However, is that the kind of slicha mechila that you should be doing on Erev Yom Kippur? Rev Hartman argues, No. Because that's, that's going to create such contention. The person that you're sitting next to in davening and shul, you're buddies with right now, but if you told him and you apologize for that he doesn't know about, you're not sitting next to him anymore. It's going to cause more problems and more things. That's not, a, that's not an Erev Yom Kippur apology. It's not an Erev Yom Kippur apology. The Erev Yom Kippur apology is to create peace. Throughout the year, the apologies are to make right. This also has a nafkamina on the opposite side. Shouldn't this now... We all know the answer to this question. I know we all know the answer to this question. But should we apologize to someone that we did nothing wrong to, but they think we did? Should we do that? Should we apologize? Right, maybe. Maybe. To pacify. To appease. It's not about right or wrong. It's not about right or wrong. Maybe that's what they use the word defiance. Interesting. Maybe. So if it's about if it's about creating a kumbaya moment, on, right? Remember what happened? What do we say at Kol Nidre? Right? We invite all the avaryanim. Everyone is together. Well, it is a kumbaya moment, Kol Nidre. Whole shul, right? And we're going to do that mincha time, not Kol Nidre. Whole shul is going to be together. Whole kumbaya moment. There, should you apologize for something that you that you didn't even do wrong? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe you should. But not during. But not during the year. During the year that, during the year, the normal slich and is you apologize for something, but we know that there's more to it. So there's two kinds of apologies. I'm not saying you shouldn't apologize during the year for that also, but I'm just saying that there's something unique about Erev Yom Kippur. And maybe that's why, suggests Rav Hartman, that Rav comes every Erev Yom Kippur. Did he do anything wrong by restart, not restarting the year? It's kind of unreasonable to ask him to restart again and again and again. But he knows that Rabbi Chanina was so upset. So every Arab Yom Kippur, he wants to go into Yom Kippur feeling, I tried. I tried. And then I tried to appease him, make him feel better. Was I in the wrong? No. Sometimes you need to apologize. We all know we have to apologize for things that we didn't do. That's Arab Yom Kippur. Isn't that marriage? Or? Isn't that marriage, right? I was going to say, we were all thinking that that's marriage, right? That's marriage. That's, that's it. I'm on the recorder, so like, whatever. But uh, that's marriage. We apologize daily for doing things that we didn't, we're not, it's not wrong. But if, it's, if all we thought about apologies was like civil tort law, where like, yeah, you only apologize when you've, when you've actually done something. No, that's, that's, that's a totally different matter altogether. Okay. See, that would bring up the whole concept of Brahma or Right, right. I'll conclude with one short story. It's my, my favorite Arab Yom Kippur story. It's very short. I'm gonna, I just think that it adds such complexity and beauty to this day. A famous story, source number 11. It is short. <clears throat> first line, at the end of the first line. Rav had a particular issue, a fight with a certain butcher. 
Rav. This is the same Rav, by the way. Rav's back in the picture. It's the same Dafa Gemara, and it's also going to be, as we're about to see, it's an Erev Yom Kippur story. Rav had a particular issue with a butcher. What was the issue? We have no idea. Why don't we know? Because it probably doesn't matter. Fights happen all the time. You probably don't even know what happens. It happens. Lo The butcher insulted Rav, but the butcher never comes to apologize. So Rav says, Mali Yom Amar you. It's Erev Yom Kippur. And Rav says, I want to go. I want to go and appease him. It's every Erev Yom Kippur. I'm, not, it's un, I'm uncomfortable going into Yom Kippur knowing someone hates me so much. Rav wasn't the one that was the insulting party. He was the one that was insulted. So he goes to the butcher and says, you know what, I'll be the bigger man. I'll apologize to you. I just want shalom. You hear me? You see, like, you see where we're going here? Good. Pagabe Ravuna. This is the strangest part of this cryptic, the most cryptic part of the story that uh, is strange. But we'll come back to it very quickly. Pagabe Ravuna. He meets his colleague Ravuna on the way. As he's going, it's Arab, every Erev Yom Kippur. Amar Azilmar. Where are you going, my master? Rav, it's Erev Yom Kippur. You should be like going to the mikvah or something. Getting your kittle ready. You should be going. I'm going to appease a certain person. I gotta go. I gotta go to this, this guy. Amar, this is the weird part. Rav Huna says, Azil, Abba, Lamikta, Nafsha. If you go and appease the, whoever you're appeasing, whoever you're going to, you're gonna kill someone. Very weird thing to say. Hold it. Azil, the Kam, Ilave. He went and went before the butcher. Have a Yosef Kapali And the butcher was there and he was doing what butchers do on the busiest day of their year, on every Erev Yom Kippur. And he's chopping animal heads, one after another after another. They needed their pre-fast meal or post-fast meal. Everyone wants their meat. He's butchering and butchering and butchering. He lifts up his eyes when he has the cleaver, the butcher's cleaver in his hand and he's going, he's going, he's going. He gets distracted because his arch nemesis, Rav, enters the butcher shop on every Arab Yom Kippur while he's chopping, right? This is not good news. He's chopping, he's chopping, he's chopping. And as he does it, the Kapali Reisha Ishtami Garma, as he does it, he hits bone because he was like not careful. He didn't go in between the bone. He hit bone and it chipped and it flew up in the air. Sharp piece, a little bone shard. He looks up, slits his throat and he's dead. End of Gemara. That's the story. And I want to propose to you in three minutes to, uh, we could have had fun with this together, but because the hour is late, and I want to, I'll just present to you two alternative readings of this story, and we'll leave it at that, of this last Erev Yom Kippur story. The Maharsha's reading. I think the standard reading of this strange tale of Rav and the Butcher and every, on Erev Yom Kippur is that we can't be an achzari. We can't be cruel. We can't be unforgiving like this butcher. Rav, really, the butcher really should have apologized to Rav. Rav is going to be the bigger man and apologize to the butcher. The butcher's refusal to apologize, well, I think this is a kind of thematic moral of when you don't forgive, you put your life on the line. You don't forgive, it's dangerous. It doesn't, right? That's one reading. That's the Maharshal's reading. Forgive. It's important to Forgive. And he didn't forgive, and it was Erev Yom Kippur. It was the perfect time to forgive, and he didn't, and the butcher dies. Where does Rav Huna fit into this? Rav Huna does not fit into that interpretation, yeah. which is why I like a second interpretation. Because right. that, what is that? Well, how do you deal with the Rav Huna part? Yeah. Exactly. The second reading takes the Rav Huna part very, very seriously. The second reading of this interpretation, and Dr. Ruth Calderon, who's a professor in Israel and a former minister in the Knesset, fascinating woman, who has like a secular yeshiva in Israel in Tel Aviv, cool woman, 
She proposes the following interpretation, and with this we will conclude. She says, maybe, if you think about the story a little bit differently, Erev Yom Kippur, we spent the entire night tonight talking about that there's something special and important about apologizing every Erev Yom Kippur. And that's what Rob wants to do. That's his MO. We saw that in the last story. He wants to apologize Erev Yom Kippur. He wants to go into Yom Kippur feeling clean. He wants to go into Erev Yom Kippur saying his Ben Adam Lemakom is going to be good, but his Ben Adam Lechaver is good too. He wants to go into Yom Kippur conscious, free. Like free of conscience, like totally good. That's what he wants to do. So he's eager. He's running on Erev Yom Kippur. He wants to go to the butcher. But here's the problem. Rav is trying to tell him something, and Rav isn't listening. Rav is trying to tell him, almost like as a Greek chorus, prophetically, even though he's not a prophet, Rav is saying, slow down. Maybe now's not the time to go. Maybe you're going to kill somebody. In other words, maybe it's dangerous to go. Because maybe it's not the right time to go. Place. And maybe it's not the right place to go. Erev Yom Kippur, the busiest day of the year for a butcher, in his shop, in front of everyone, this is the day that he's like, this, he's, his head's not there. And if he hasn't come to you yet, it's great to be the bigger man, but maybe again, emotional intelligence might dictate that maybe you need to give him space. On the one hand, Erev Yom Kippur is an amazing opportunity to repair relationships and we should all work on repairing relationships on Erev Yom Kippur and there's a special mitzvah of making peace and even apologizing for things that we didn't do wrong. Great, but there's a danger and there's a risk and there's vulnerability in asking someone to repair a relationship that they're not yet ready to repair. And in some sense, Rav's just desire to being pure, going into Yom Kippur, going in with his kittel and white and all ready to go has the opposite effect. He goes in. You see him in the early Almost like a pest. Right. Exactly. He thought more about his own his own forgiveness than thinking about and having the awareness of the other person. Is the other person ready for this conversation? Is the other is this the right setting? Is this the right place? Is it the right time? Just because it happens to be Erev Yom Kippur today doesn't mean that every relationship is going to be fixed. And that's the reality. And that's what the Gemara is trying to teach us. That on the, we just have to hold both. Where do you draw the line? How do you know that the Gemara doesn't solve that human question? But we have to use the opportunity. And this is how I'm going to conclude. We have to use the opportunity of Erev, of Erev Yom Kippur to repair our relationships of Asen Slich and Mechila. But we should also also have the emotional sensitivity of knowing who we're speaking to and doing it with, with an openness that just because we want a relationship repaired doesn't mean it'll happen on our terms. Have a wonderful evening.